powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church. One church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. Give online in our mobile app or text the word giving to 59769. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. Me too. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, ready. I'm ready. You ready? ready. Let's, go. Let's go. Can I ask you one more time? I know you've been standing. All I need from you is just a few minutes tonight. It's Friday night. The mood is right. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Go. Can I ask you to stand for me? <laughs> we're going to make a confession of faith. And we're going to hear what the Lord wants to say. Got it. Yes, sir. Lift your Bibles out. Let's make our confession of faith together. It's on the screen. I'm ready to receive and fully submit to God's word, which is the lamp to my feet and the light to my path. In this year of fruitfulness, I will manifest good results in every area of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, do when you do when you do how you do when you do it because you do it so well. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Speak, heal, set free. Don't let us leave the way we came. Manifest yourself tonight. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want you to flip real quick to 1 Samuel 30 and verse 8. If you just indulge me, I haven't had you stand at Harvest lately. We've been sitting during the scripture, so just indulge me for just a moment tonight, if you would, for just a couple moments, and then you can sit the whole rest of the evening because it's not like you've been sitting a whole week at work. So, Well, some of you haven't. 1 Samuel 30 and 8. 
because you've been here with us. Haven't we had an amazing three days? <laughs> First Samuel 30 and 8, and uh, it reads like this. They, they're going to have to just, they'll flow with me, so if they're a little delayed, that's because they just find it out at the same time. Y'all find it out. And David inquired of the Lord, should I keep trying? Should I keep fighting? Should I keep praying? Could, should I keep fasting? Should I keep giving? Because this thing has worn me out. Shall I pursue after this band? That's the second part. And if I run after them, I can't take no more failure. I can't take no more loss. I can't take no more being high one day and then the next day it seems like it fell under. Who am I talking to already? I can't take another failure in that area. Of, I can't do it. So I need to know before I run after this. Here it is. I need to know, am I going to beat them? Am I going to overtake them? Is the marriage actually going to improve or all we're going to do is change spots for two weeks? Is my body actually going to be healed? Shall I overtake them? And watch God's answer. Touch your neighbor and say, you're getting your answer right now. How many questions did he ask? Two. Watch God's answers. He answered him, do it. Pursue. In other words, touch your neighbor and say, you're getting your strength to run tonight. Yeah, I rebuke you feeling tired. I rebuke you feeling wore out. I rebuke you feeling like you don't have what it takes. Say, I'm receiving strength tonight. Yeah, I'm in it now. He says, pursue. Watch. For you shall surely. In other words, you can take this to the bank. For everybody that's experienced failure for the first eight months of this month, uh, eight months of this year, in any area of your life, I'm going to give you three seconds to release worship. Why? Because God's releasing a word to you tonight. That word is surely go. Release worship if you've experienced any failure. Go. You shall surely overtake them. But look at God. Say he does exceedingly. Abundantly. Above all, I ask, that means to pray. So David prayed, inquired of the Lord. And when he prayed, watch God do Ephesians 3.20, exceed. He asked two questions when he prayed. God gives him three answers. Pursue, you will surely overtake, and you shall surely rescue. I'm going to read it to you in New King James. I like the way it says it there. It says, it says, pursue, you will surely overtake them. Here's my line. And without Fail, recover. I need you to just look at somebody. I hear you now, Lord. I need you to just look at somebody and say, I need to tell you the season I'm in. Say, I'm in winning season. This ain't failing season. Say, without fail, I'm getting it all. No music, just the voices. If you really believe this is for you, I ain't even got to it, but if you believe you've stepped into winning season, I need you to just release a praise in this atmosphere without being pumped and primed. Go. Go. 
Say without fail, I'm getting it all. Uh, just tell somebody, here's the message, here it is. Say, I'm in winning season. You be seated. Uh, the art of preaching, here it is, is called homiletics. In homiletics, there are a variety of ways to postulate the principles of the sacred rift. Um, the three I employ the most often are topical. This is where you pick a topic and use scripture to support it. And then you have what's called expository preaching. This is where you explain, in a general sense, a particular passage. And then there's something called exegesis. Exegesis, you see, in the breakdown of the word ex means to take out of Jesus, which means the origin. So when you exegete something, you take something back to its origin and pull it out so that what has been hidden is now made clear. In other words, an exegesis is an in-depth explanation of what's right in front of you. But watch this. There was something locked in it that you couldn't see that applied to you. So what we're going to do tonight, watch this, all I want to do is just take a scalpel like a physician and I want to delicately peel back every layer of this particular narrative in King David's life because it represents the season, watch this, that you are exiting of life and the season that you're beginning. Stop. Some of you are saying, Bishop, I've heard about seasons changing before. Watch this. But what you didn't hear is when it was divinely aligned. You and I... You and I are in the year 2019. The number nine is the number of manifestation. It is the number of results. It is the number of birthing. It is when you see what you sow for, what you've sown for, you possess what you've prayed for. Whenever you see nine in scripture, that means something's getting ready to come forth. And whenever something's getting ready to come forth, she said it when she was singing her song earlier, there's always going to be some pain right before that thing pops out. In fact, the greater the pain, it's indicating that greater has finally arrived. In fact, I need some of you to realize the pressure that has been on you, even affecting your sleep patterns, even affecting your eating patterns, has been nothing more to tell you it's here. Shut your mouth. I need you to touch somebody on the shoulder and say, it's finally here. A woman prepares, a woman prepares for months carrying and adjusting to get ready to give to birth something that is brand new. What she's giving birth to has never been in the earth before. What she's giving birth to has never seen the exterior. What she's giving birth to has never felt the exterior. It has been locked up on the inside of her. Uh, but when it is her due season, watch me, when it is time for her to give birth to that thing, all of a sudden what was hidden and in a cocoon of sorts, it comes forth. Let me see if I can help you understand. Your issue has been, watch this, you could feel something but you couldn't see it you were able to sense something but you couldn't see it there was something in you that kept saying yeah don't give up yet even though everything said give up there was something in you that said yeah don't throw in the towel yet even though everything said throw in the towel there was something in you watch this that couldn't see where it was but it could sense it was in another environment so 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 watch this now so so nine is fruitfulness it is to give birth. It is a number that means results. There's nine uh, degrees of the fruit of the spirit. Now, anytime God wants to do something significant, God always prophesies it, and he always does it, watch this, using numbers. Somebody say numbers. If you ever study the scriptures, there's something called gematria. Gematria uh, is the significance of numbers in the scripture. Every scripture or every number has a, a corresponding Hebrew letter, which means a, watch this, a number is actually a word. Back that thing up. A number is actually a word. So when I see nine, it's just not nine. It's actually a word to tell me something is getting ready to come for. Now watch this. Not only are we in 2019, watch this. We are in the ninth month. Now you can sit there and look at me, watch this, and say, I'd heard this before. But watch this. I think there's somebody on your road that says, listen, yeah, but I ain't heard it this time, this way. Watch this. At this stage of my delivery process. 
See, watch this. Sometimes you'll hear a word at the beginning of a thing that's to prepare you for the ending of a thing, and you got to hold on to that word. What I'm here to do tonight, watch this, is to get everybody into the labor and to the delivery room because this thing's coming forth, and it's leaving out of you tonight. I need you to say tonight. I feel like I want to preach now. So tonight's Friday. Watch this. So the first thing is this is 2019. The second thing is this is the ninth month. Here's the third thing. This is Friday the 13th. Now, let, let me give you Bible about this. Friday the 13th in modern pop culture is associated with a lot of superstition. In fact, there was a whole movie series, one of my favorites, by the way, a whole movie series done about Friday the 13th where a hockey mask wearing uh, a, a, a mass killer goes killing people at Camp Crystal Lake. Watch this. So Friday the 13th was associated with superstition. You, you got to be careful. You got to be scary. But you don't actually know the origin of Friday the 13th. The origin of Friday the 13th is that the day, watch this, that Jesus was betrayed by Judas was the 13th of the Hebrew month Nisan. So watch this. What ended up happening over time is they associated with Friday, even though it would have been the day prior, because in Hebrew, a day begins the night prior. Check it out. So it became associated with Friday, although it was not Friday. But the significance of it was is that, watch this, it's when Jesus took his worst blow to set him up for his biggest blessing. Maybe you don't speak the King's English, so I'm going to see if I can get somebody else on your rope. Watch this. The 13th day of the month of Nisan in Hebrew, it represented the day that Jesus was actually betrayed by somebody he loved, betrayed by somebody he'd helped, betrayed by somebody he'd done something for. In other words, watch this. What Judas thought was going to execute Jesus was actually what birthed him from being Jesus Christ. Watch me. Into Christ Jesus. If you study your scripture, you'll see something significant. That before, watch this, that while he's in the earth, Jesus, uh, the Theanthropos, 100% God and 100% man. So much man you can believe he's God, so much God you can believe he's man. He's referred to as Jesus the Christ. That is Yeshua Hamashiach, Jesus the anointed one, his anointing and his anointed. But something happens after he's betrayed by Judas and he goes and gets victory for us for three days and three nights in the belly of the earth in hell. After that point in your Bible he's not called Jesus Christ he is referred to as Christ Jesus in other words he evolved and birthed into a higher level of himself what I'm trying to get you to understand is that the stuff that was hurting you is actually what's helping you the most. The stuff that felt like it was beating you down has actually been birthing you out. The stuff that you thought was going to be your end is actually your beginning. I wish you touch somebody on your road say it's delivery time. Let's talk it out. Let's talk it out. Let's talk it out. So, 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 so now we are in um, the exiting of one season and stepping into winning season. So I receive that. If you're sitting next to somebody that doesn't really look like they receive it, I don't want you to talk to them for the rest of the experience. Watch this. I don't need you to let their silence shut you down. You've aborted enough because of people around you that wouldn't shout. You've aborted enough because people around you with bad attitudes. You've aborted enough because of your mama's disbelief of God. You've aborted enough because of your friends that told you it wasn't possible. You've aborted enough because of your friends that said you can't do it. And I don't know about you. I've been through too much hell. To, uh, somebody say no more abortions. No more abortions. No. So here's, here's David. 1 Samuel chapter 30 verse 1. We're going to walk it out. Just stick with me for a few minutes. Can I walk it out? <laughs> now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day <laughs> now remember I told you I didn't know what he was going to say till I 
on the third day. Say third day. And it was at the end of the conference. <laughs> the, the, the Amalekites, that means enemies or giants, had invaded the south in Ziklag. They attacked Ziklag. Ziklag was a fortress. Say a fortress. And they burned it with fire. Now, look at me. We all encounter setbacks. Some choose us and some we choose. David experienced an unexpected setback. It caught him off guard. You could call it a fight, but it's really an unfair fight because he didn't know he had signed up for it. There's some stuff that comes with your call. There's some stuff that comes with your assignment. I says, there's some stuff that's not an attack. It's just part of your seat. I need you to stop looking at everything that happens is the devil is trying to do this and the devil is trying to do it. Some of that, watch this, just comes with your seat. If you're going to call the shots, you got to take the shots. If you're going to be the king, you got to deal with criticism. If you're going to be at the top, you're going to have to learn how to deal with people at the bottom trying to pull you down. Which, in fact, is a compliment because if you're trying to pull me down, it's evidence that we ain't even on the same level in the first place. I rebuke you thinking you got to answer every hater. I rebuke you thinking you got to answer every person that don't like you. I rebuke you thinking that you got to have an explanation for people that ain't paying for nothing. Let's walk it out. Let's walk it out. David didn't know he had signed up for that because he didn't understand the level of battle that came with King. He didn't understand the level of battle that came with his call. And for you, I need you to know that a lot of what you deal with comes with your call. For all of my creatives in the room and my musicians, part of what comes with your call, watch this, is severe attacks in the realm of your emotions. Because if the enemy can get you emotional, he can shut down your creativity. So what, what happens? You always have issues that come with family. Always have issues that come with money. Always have issues that come, watch this, to shut down your creativity. Why? Because his goal is to shut down your sound. Because if he can shut down your sound, your creativity, that gift that you have to create a sound, watch this, is what summons heaven. So if he can shut down your sound because of your warfare, if he can shut down your sound because of what you go through, watch this. You're speaking, but he says, I need you to play. Shut up. He says, he says, watch this, watch this. I need you to realize there's certain things that just come with your call. David, not only is he a warrior, he's a musician. Not only is he a musician, he's a king. Look at me. Your issue is that, watch this, you have been trying to put yourself in a box. David was king and musician and warrior and servant to Saul. In other words, he was able to manage to do multiple things. Watch this, because he was a renaissance man. I need you to stop selling yourself short and say, this is the only thing available for me. Would you lay your hands on yourself and say, I'm a renaissance man or woman, whatever you are. Which means, baby, I got options. I'm not just limited to one thing. I'm not just limited to doing this. There's multiple things that I can do, and I can do it well. But if you can do multiple things well, you have to deal with multiple attacks at the same time. Some of you are like, God, why all this warfare? You shouldn't be so gifted. Comes with deceit. Comes with deceit. If you were regular and average like the rest of your bloodline, that tries to talk you down and tries to pull you down, and you just thank you all that. You just thank you doing all this. That's this verse two. Let's move. Let's talk it out. And they had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. Watch me. But they didn't kill anyone. They carried them away and they went their way. Listen, they took captive the women and they who were in it, small and great. They killed no one, but they carried them off and went their way. Look at me. 
If the enemy had the power to kill, he would have. I rebuke your suicidal thoughts. I rebuke your thoughts of thinking that, watch this, life ain't worth living. If the enemy had the power to do that, he would do that. The scripture says, here it is, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Watch this. You make the mistake of thinking that's talking about the devil. If you read that text in context, he's talking about, watch this, people who get your ear and cause you to make poor decisions. Say they didn't kill anything. Let's go. Verse 3. So David and his men came to the city. I'm reading New King James. They're going to put it up in English standard. David and his men came to the city, and there it was. Watch me. Burned with fire. Look at me. Everything they had worked to build is on fire. Their marriage is on fire. Their ministry is on fire. Their relationship is on fire. And here's the crazy thing about fire. I can see what it was, but I can't touch it no more. It's on fire, so I can't, watch this, I can't even get close to what's mine. I can't even get close to what's mine. I can't even touch what's mine. I can't, but watch this, because if I get too close to it, it's going to burn me, even though it's mine. I worked for it. I labored for it. I'm going to tell some of you, watch this, your issue, watch this, is that you are attached to what was, that you're missing what is. Verse 3, they came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Their wives, their sons, and their daughters are gone. What does this mean? Not only is what they built messed up, but now their family is in isolation from them. They got back to the city with the hopes to see their wives have, some, have a good home-cooked meal, you know. Not egos, but some real waffles, you know. Look at me. They couldn't see their stuff, but it wasn't destroyed. Watch this. It was displaced. And hear me. You may have given up on something because you couldn't see it anymore. But it's not gone. Listen to me. The enemy just wanted to taunt you with it. Let me, let me, let me slow, slow it down. I need y'all to catch this quick so, so, so we can get into this. Their sons, their daughters, their wives are taken captive. They're not dead. They just can't see them. Please look at me. There are certain things you have said, God, I guess I just I blew that. I reject you thinking that you had the power to ruin it. I reject you thinking that you got it that big. Watch me. They, 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 they are captive but they're not destroyed they just can't see them anymore so in other words watch this they don't need a creation they need a manifestation of what's already theirs can we talk all right, let's go to verse 4. And David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. This verse gets me because David and his men were fighters and warriors and gladiators. Question, what happens when the strong get tired of being strong? What happens when the gladiator gets tired of gladiating? What happens when the warrior gets weary? Why? I want to ask you, did this attack weary them so that they couldn't even cry no more? Look at me. It's dangerous when you don't have any more tears. 
Because it's in that moment you're either going to bounce back or get bitter. And I came to get everybody out of your bitter place and get you into your bounce back. Would you lay your hands on yourself say, you don't have time to be bitter? Say, it's time to bounce back. I need you not to be stuck on the fact that they left you. I need you not to be stuck on the fact that that relationship didn't work. God says you can either get bitter about it or you can bounce back. Watch. Can I just peel it back? It's a dangerous place when you don't have any more tears because now there's only two options. I'm not even emotional about it anymore. I just need to do something about it. I, I, I came for the people who are like, look, I'm tired of being mad about that. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired about the same old doggone thing. Something has got to Would you release 10 seconds of worship if you say something has got to Something has got something has got to change. So watch. Why did David and his men get to this place? I'm almost done. David had just been rejected from joining with fighting with the Philistines. Now, the Philistines were the enemies of the Hebrews. But David had been rejected by Saul, and he was on the run. And so now David tries to run and go to the Philistines and said, listen, let me fight with Saul because Saul has rejected me. And the Philistines said, we don't even want you. Listen to me. There are certain stuff you tried to watch me go back to. Certain bad relationships you tried to go back to. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. There are certain things, watch this, that watch this, your past won't even have you anymore. That booty call won't even call you back no more. Since you ain't going to say nothing, I'm going to preach hard like I want to. You should have said something. Now I'm preaching hard. What you tried to walk back to won't even have you anymore. Watch me. David's enemy didn't even want him. I'm going to tell you, you're stepping into winning season. And when you're in winning season, watch me, you become untouchable. Which means even my enemy can't do nothing with me. His enemy said, look, Dave, we, we, don't, even, we don't even want you. But watch me. He's been rejected now. See, some of you like, watch this. Those family members that were always talking about you now, now watch this. It, it, it's, it's, it's reversed because now they don't even want to talk about it no more. And you think something is wrong. Nothing is wrong. God just said you change positions. Watch, watch, watch. David now has been rejected another time, though. So Saul rejects him. The Philistines reject him. And if we were to jaywalk to 1 Samuel chapter 16, you'd see where his daddy rejected him. See, the issue with David and his brothers is that they had a different mother. The name of the mother isn't made explicitly clear in the particular text in 1 Samuel chapter 16, but David's father is Jesse. And Jesse has, watch me, Jesse has uh, a multitude of sons. Jesse has eight sons. David is the eighth son. Eight is the new beginning. So David is the eighth seed. And as David is the eighth seed, watch this. His father treats him differently than his brothers because they have a different mother. And every time his father looks at him, he sees his shame. There are people who mistreated you not because of you, but because of who you reminded them of. 
There's some of you who are carrying the baggage of how your mama treated you, how your daddy treated you. And the issue she actually has with you ain't you. It's just that every time she sees you, she's reminded of Harold. Y'all ain't talking to me. Every time she sees you, she's reminded of him. And so the issue between you and her, the issue between you and him has nothing to do with you. It is because you remind them, watch this, of a mistake. And what they do not realize and understand, watch this, is that even in their foolishness, God is made wise. What do you mean? Is that God says, I'll use what was their mistake in order to manifest something that's miraculous. In other words, I'm the you to realize you had to be born you had to be alive you couldn't be aborted that car accident couldn't kill you because you were born for the time you were needed most which is right now stick with me stick with me so david has got this rejection issue and 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 watch this and in this rejection issue david develops a little bit of a complex and his complex is that he is drawn watch me he is drawn to what hates him he sympathizes with what makes him suffer. He's drawn to what, watch this, to what hurts him. So much so that one of his mighty men years later say to him, Joab, Joab says to him, David, you love those that hate you and you hate those that love you. So new people are paying for the mistakes of old people. You tear up new relationships because of your fear of an old relationship. So watch this. You actually have never left that bad situation because you turn every new thing into an old thing. Hands up in the air. Say this way. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I have no time to repeat my past. So I release it right now. You can't keep doing that over and over again. Some of you tonight, you need to leave church and delete the doggone number and block it because you keep going back over and over again. And the enemy knows how to play you. But tonight, I think there's some gladiators in the room. Tonight, I think there's some warriors in the room that can say, let him that steal, steal no longer. So watch this. David's weariness is even more perplexing because this is the same David that killed Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. We just read 1 Samuel 30. You'll catch it in a minute. This is the same David that killed Goliath in chapter 17. The chapters are in chronological order. You've taken down a, a giant already. Why are you so wearied by this now? I came to remind somebody, you've already been through hell. What you scared of now? You didn't already had them make up stuff about you. Why are you scared now? You didn't already had them scandalize you on Facebook, Instagram, and on black Twitter. What you scared of now? That's what they call it. That's what they call it. Watch me. After defeating a giant, why are you so wearied by this? This should have been a piece of cake. This should have been easy. David should have been like, man, bye. Here's the problem. Look at me. He now had experience. What do you mean? When he fought Goliath, he wasn't experienced. He was just prepared. But now his experience has created a paradigm that since he won before, he's now scared to lose again. Now that he's had some experience fighting, he has a sense of fear he didn't have with Goliath. Look at me. The enemy to, watch this, your winning season, look at me, is your prior winning season. What do you mean by that? That don't, don't make sense. That don't make no sense. 
when, when you took down Goliath, you just ran out there like. You don't want none? Even if you ain't a thug, your inner thug rolls up. and just, just, I'm not even a thug, but I tell you, buddy, you better back up. I tell you, I tell you, I, um, I tell you. <laughs> a sophisticated thug, you know. By thug, I mean a warrior fighter gladiator. But after you took Goliath down, watch this. You started hearing people celebrate you. And their celebration of you now has got you addicted to what you didn't get from your daddy. Jesse wouldn't celebrate you, but the people celebrated you. And so now you are addicted to the applause of who you're supposed to lead. So when they don't clap, they shut you down. When they don't worship, they shut you down. When they don't like what you're doing, they shut you down. I come to speak to every leader. Don't you be addicted to the applause of who you're supposed to lead. Because if they stop clapping, it'll shut you down. And you're supposed to be the leader. You are not supposed to be the follower. You set the temperature. You do not let them dictate the temperature to you. I rebuke you being a punk leader. Watch this. Can I just talk? Just give me a couple more minutes. I'm about done. He walked up. And now he's addicted to them clapping. Saul killed his thousands. But David's killed his tens of thousands. Some of you watch this. The test you were in is if nobody would recognize you. And so you began to say, I ain't getting no recognition. Ain't nobody recognizing me. Ain't nobody seeing me. Ain't nobody saying. And God says, watch this, because I need to reveal to you your real issue. Ain't them not recognizing you. Your real issue is that you're insecure. Shut up. Your real issue is that you never got secure in you. So you wait on them to say, good job. You wait on them to say, and that's the behavior of a slave. I want to preach now. The behavior of a slave says, watch this, when master's happy, you better dance your little jig. But a son says, because I am his, I'm not performing for you. I don't have nothing to prove to you. That's why when you're a strong man, people will call you, watch this. They'll try to tell you down and say you're arrogant. You're not arrogant. You're just not performing for them. Let me help you. Bishop Foreman ain't performing for you. I ain't got nothing to prove to you. I'm his son, not yours. Watch me. Watch me. I'm, I'm about done. I feel some warriors rising up in this place. I feel somebody getting their strength back in this place. I feel somebody rising up in this place. I feel somebody that don't need nobody applauding you and you. Somebody say, I'm still going to get it done. Say, even if they ain't clapping. Say, watch me do it. Let me, let me finish. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Almost done. Almost done. <laughs> so he's used to this now. But now, now when he gets to Ziklag, his men aren't clapping. When he gets to Ziklag, his, his boys ain't celebrating him. You need to learn how to be, watch this, you need to learn how to be independently affirmed. 
Too many of y'all got a co-signing spirit where everybody got a co-sign. What you think? What you think? They ain't paying for it. So this time, Bishop, his, his, his guys aren't clapping. They're not saying, Saul has killed his thousands. David's killed his tens of thousands. No, the Bible says, watch this. Watch this. The Bible says that his men, touch your neighbor and say, the Bible says. The Bible says, I'm going to get to this verse. The Bible says in verse 6, go to verse 6, that they ain't clapping this time. Can you still get it done if ain't nobody celebrating you? I need you not to be mad that they didn't say thank you. Let's go. I need you not to be mad that they didn't say thank you. I need you not for every portion that pours into other people. I need you not to be angry that they took a pour and then left. I need you not to be angry, watch this, that they got a deposit and then left your life. I need you not to be angry they didn't say thank you. I need you not to be angry they didn't clap for you. I need you not to be angry that they didn't send you a thank you card. I need you not to be angry that they didn't celebrate you. Why? Because God says, I need you to learn how to get affirmation from me and not from them. This time they ain't clapping, Bishop. Let's wrap this thing up. It says, and David was greatly distressed. Why? Because they ain't clapping. What they want to do now? Kill that fella. Y'all celebrate me a few chapters ago, which teaches me a lesson about people. Don't take it personal. You may be the best thing since Papa Do's bread with melted butter. I had a whole loaf today. Pray for me. I told a girl, I said, babe, bring me my own. They can get their own. That's mine. Don't judge me. You got other addictions. Mine is white bread. I ain't where I want to be. They got it where I used to be. Look at me. The same folks that were David, 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 Sherman, 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 Sherman. When his failure, that wasn't his fault, but because he was at the top, when it affected them, don't, don't clap for him. Let me get a rock. David don't know who he playing with. I understand he the man of God and all that. I understand he the king and all that. I understand he this and all that. But he don't know who he playing with. If you become addicted to their applause, you'll die from their apathy. And there are certain people you need to say this. I'd rather live with your absence, watch this, than deal with your average. I'd rather live with your absence and adjust to your absence than live, watch this, with you being fickle. Here it is. I'm almost to where I'm going. Can I help somebody tonight? They weren't clapping this time. So now, watch this. David's dealing with rejection. Second thing, now David doesn't have support. Nobody's supporting him. He out there by himself. And for everybody, it's like, dog, God, ain't nobody going to support me. I think one of the men of God said it this week, throw your own self a party. 
some of y'all, I want to see on Instagram tomorrow, you at me and you uh, add, put on, tag me in it, whatever. Put me on the computer like for <laughs> I want you to add me on it. Why? I want you to have a party for you tomorrow. I want you to take yourself out, dress yourself up, have a party for you. And when people say, you here by yourself, say, oh, yeah, baby, I learned how to clap for me. I learned how to support me. Watch this, because I realize, watch this, I can't wait on you to do it for me. I got to do it for myself. That way, if you don't do it, I ain't going to lose my mind. I ain't going to get emotional. I ain't going to give up on God. Stop somebody, high five, say, celebrate yourself. Here it is. Our experiences, both bad and good, can teach us to be fearful, scared, and nervous. And that's why a no-brainer seems so complex. Can I ask you something? Why is David praying about going to get his stuff? Look at me. Why is David asking God about going to get his wife and children? That's his wife and children. That's his stuff. Look at me. There's certain things God is like, did you really ask me about that? That's yours. But you can get so weary, that's what's yours. You don't even want to fight for it anymore. And I came to rebuke your weariness tonight. Somebody say, I'm a warrior. We're going there. We're going. Sometimes your previous wins can create a fear in you. But you beat a level one giant. Interestingly enough, the word Goliath means one giant. You ready? Who does the scripture say? And 1 Samuel 30 and 1 attacked David. Put up verse 1 for me, please. Can you say that word, the Amalekites? That translates into giants. 1 Samuel 17, he beats a giant. 1 Samuel 30, it's plural. Which means this is not just one big obstacle. Everywhere I look... Because, see, if I do this, I got to do this. And then if I do this, I got to do that. And then if I do that, that's going to happen. If I do that, that's going to And I don't know if I'm going to do that because I might make so-and-so upset. And I don't know if I'm going to do this. I don't know how much I'm going to do this. Verse 5. And David's two wives, Ananoam and the Jezreelites and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Let me just pause for the cause because we talked about Bathsheba earlier. And David in one of the sessions earlier. Abigail, the Hebrew, say, was the most beautiful Hebrew woman ever. And she was with Dave. Which means sometimes, watch this, that infidelity is a sign of insecurity. He already had the best. I rebuke you thinking, watch this, that something else is better than watch this if God's already given you the best. Would you lay your hands on yourself say, Lord, help me appreciate what I got. He had Abigail. Abigail was, before there was... Which Sunday is this? <laughs> she was a very beautiful woman. You know I mean? See, before it was a hot girl summer, see? She's the original hot girl. Like, Google it and put it in Hebrew, and she's smiling. Watch. Verse 6. Now, David was greatly distressed. The people spoke of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and daughters. Listen. Their soul, their mind, thoughts, will, and emotions. In our series, Weapons of Our Warfare, where we learn the warfare is in our soul. David's men and David, they are bitter in their mind, thoughts, will, and emotions. David is praying about should he get his stuff. 
David is praying about, watch this, should he fight for what's his? You get to a certain place where you get so weary that even though you worked for it, you don't want it. Because of the warfare that comes with it. And I need you to realize, somebody say, I got this. Point at somebody say, you got this. Somebody say, we got this. He wouldn't have given it to you unless he expected you to keep it. He wouldn't have given it to you unless he expected you to keep it and make it bigger. He wouldn't have given it to you unless he expected you to keep it and make it bigger and make it better than when he gave it to you. Let, let, me, let me take this home. The end of the verse. This, this is my verse. But David strengthened him. The reason you felt so isolated is God says, I need you to learn how to fight from the inside out. You so used to doing all this. I need you to learn how to fight from the inside out. You so used to calling everybody up and saying what you got to say and getting you. Stop giving everybody a piece of your mind. You ain't got that much left. Junebug got a piece. Pukenim got a piece. Darlene got a piece. Cleophas got a piece. Here it is. Let's go. He had to encourage himself so he didn't give in to the pressure of those that were weary. And you need to know that before, watch this, a win happens around you. Watch me. A win happens in you. Say I'm in winning season. A season change spiritually don't happen around you first. It happens in you. What's happening around you is only to indicate what's already happened in you. I need you to lay your hands on your head. Say, I'm in my winning season. Verse 7. Here it is. We're almost there. Can y'all let me finish it? Then David said to Abiathar the priest, watch what he did. He hasn't talked to these jokers at all. And I want to say something other than jokers, but it's not Fifth Sunday. Before he talked to these marks, David, <laughs> suckers. Um, that's what it means. Before he talked to them, he talked to himself. Then he went to the man of God. I'm going to back that thing up. The first conversation he has, he don't even look at him. So you're going to stone me? You're going to treat me like after everything. You wouldn't have had something to recover had I not helped you build it. Before he talks to them, he talks to himself. Touch your neighbor and say, talk to yourself first. Then the second thing he does, watch this, is he goes, watch this, to Abiathar the priest. Say he went to the man of God. Say he got a word from the man of God. Let's make it practical. Say he went to church. This is why when you're in warfare, don't you be missing church. That ain't the time to miss church. That ain't the time not to serve. That ain't the time not to be on your post. To every leader that says, I'm just going through so much, I ain't going to be in my post today. Don't you let the enemy get you out of your post. Because if he gets you out of your post and out of your position and out of placement, watch this. You're not going to get the right perspective. I need you to stop sitting yourself down. You ain't got that type of power. He said to Abiathar the priest, bring me the ephod, the prayer garment. Abiathar brought the ephod to David. Watch this. When he gave him the prayer garment, what he was saying by consent is this is what we need to do. Watch this. He, he was saying by consent, this is the step we need to take. 
He was saying by consent. David makes a request, but in him making that request, the man of God honoring that request by consent was saying, this is what we need to do. And Abiah brought the ephod to David. Watch me. He wanted to pray before he became prey. Watch me. And you often talk to people with no answers when you need them. Don't consult losers when you need a win. Don't consult quitters when you need to be a gladiator. Don't consult the wrong people at the wrong time because they'll give you the wrong information that will keep you from winning season. They'll say, well, I just feel. Let me tell you something. If you want me to stop listening to you, say that to me. I feel. I'm not even listening no more. I don't need your feelings. Your feelings ain't going to work in warfare. The word is what's going to work in warfare. I don't need your opinion. It ain't even halfway working for you. I need the word. Would you lift your hand and say, I need the word. Let's ride Tonto. Verse 8. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, The Lord said, Pursue them. You shall surely overtake them. Without fail, you shall recover all. David didn't really mind the fight. He didn't mind the warfare. He just wanted to know he was going to win. He didn't really want to give up because if he did, why'd he pray? Stop! God is sick of you threatening him. What do you mean threatening him? You have these conversations in your head. Well, I ain't going to do it no more. I ain't going to do this no more. If I got to go through this, this too much, this too much. I'm not doing it. And God says, if you threaten me one more time in your head, threaten not to show up one more time. Y'all ain't talking to me. Just the neighbor says, stop threatening God. You may say, I don't threaten God. Oh, yes, you do. Your actions are a form of a threat. Because when we say lift your hands and give him glory, watch this. You threaten him and say, I'm going to withhold praise. And God says, if you don't do it, that's fine, baby girl. I'll get a rock to do it for you. I need everybody in here that ain't threatening God no more to throw your hands up and worship for five seconds. Go. Watch. Why did you pray if you were really not going to fight? This is dumb. That's dumb. He just was so weary. And he was like, I just want to know I'm going to win this time. And I need to tell somebody tonight, on Friday the 13th, get your bag ready. Touch your neighbor, I'm about to get that bag. Google it. <laughs> Say, because it's winning season. The only reason you prayed is because inside you really knew that wasn't the end. You just couldn't see how it was going to move forward. Watch this. God gives him three answers, Apostle. I'm done. That reveal David's unasked question. He was so scared to fail again. He, he was so weary that he asked a question that should have been a no-brainer. It wasn't like he was going after new territory. It was his stuff. That's your self-esteem, your confidence, your job, your car, your house, your money, your reputation. In essence, he was saying, I know what I need to do, but I'm scared to fail. Why did you, let your, why did you allow your warfare to change what you said you believed? You change your belief to match your ability. So because I can do this, I believe that. Because I can do this, I believe that. And God says, well, then what do you need me for? I'm the God of the impossible. You can handle the possible. Stop somebody a half five. Say, you can handle the possible. Say, you need God for the impossible. 
Watch this. Watch this. Here it is. 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 Check this out. He had been anointed to be king, so throughout all his whole life, he had to fight king's battle. So here's verse 9. Let's ride home. So David went, he and 600 men who were with him, and they came to the brook Besor. Besor in Hebrew means good news. Somebody say, I got some good news tonight. In fact, it don't just mean good news. It means cheer up. <laughs> Would you lay your hands on yourself say, cheer up. Yeah. Say, it's some good news tonight. Where those who stayed were left behind. Listen, everybody's not coming in the winning season. You need to just settle that. You need to settle that. Watch this. Everybody that was in losing season ain't coming to winning season. Touch your neighbor and say, and you need to be okay with that. Don't try to bring them. They don't want to go. Some of you tried to bring them to church tonight and they didn't want to go. That was your answer. Watch me. Verse 10. But David pursued. He and 400 men. For 200 stayed behind. What happened? Half didn't want to go. So not only is he fighting and he a little on the edge because he's been rejected. He's had failure. He's scared to fail again because he has experience. Half of what was with him said, we too tired. Stop thinking everybody's like you. And don't be mad at them when they don't have the capacity that you have. Just say, okay, you can stay. Mito, I'm ready. You ready? Let's go. Listen, 200 of them didn't even want to hear good news because they were too tired. Where are they at? The brook of good news. The brook of cheer up. They're like, we ain't cheering up. We don't want to have no good news. I pray you ain't sitting next to somebody that don't want to hear no good news. Watch. A brook implies it's in a valley or a depressed place geographically, which teaches us that God can give you good news from a bad place. He can give you high information from a low location. And I believe 200 deciding not to go was God checking to see if David would still go if half fell through. I need you not to let the deal that fell through make you stop. Everybody ain't going to cross over to the good news. So you, what you got, here's what you got to do. Somebody say, I got to go with the goers. Here it is. Let's close it. Verse 11. Then David found an Egyptian in the field, brought him to David. They gave him bread and he ate and let him drink water. While David is on his mission, he finds a foreigner, somebody that don't look like him. I need you, watch this, to be comfortable around people that you do not know. Watch this, because... Sometimes the people who are going to bless you the best are going to be people who know you the least. Watch this, verse 12. They gave him some cakes, some clusters of raisins. Uh, 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 uh. They gave him some oatmeal, all this. <laughs> so when he had eaten, his strength came back to him. For he had eaten no bread nor drunk water, for they were three days and three nights. What did the Bible say David and his men had lacked at the beginning? They lacked strength. They, they were so weird that they had lost their strength. What did they help this man do? Get his strength. God says, I'm not letting you win until you help somebody else win. Did you touch your neighbor and say, that's why I need your praise tonight? Because I'm helping you go over. Verse 13, David said, who do you belong? Where are you from? And where are you from? And he said, I'm a young man from Egypt, serving of Amalekite, and my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. They rejected them, but somebody else picked them up. 
Verse 14, we made an invasion of the southern area of the Cherethites and the territory which belongs to Judah and in the southern area of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. Here they are weary, but they helped this man. Had they not helped them, they wouldn't have received the information about where the truth was. Look at verse 15. And David said to him, can you take me down to this truth? David could have been bitter and mean and angry how some church folk be. That's the name of it. You can't be like that. David says he helps the guy. The guy gets his strength. Like, can you take me where this troop is at? Watch the man's response. He says, swear to God, you ain't going to kill me nor deliver me in the hands of my master. And I'll take you to where they at. Verse 16, and when he had brought him down, they that were spread out over the land, eating and drinking and dancing, because of the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and the land of Judah. Look at me. Their enemy was having a party that David crashed. It's Friday night, and we about to crash your enemy's party. We about to show up uninvited, with no food, just some red solo, because y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Touch your neighbor, say, I'm about to... I'm about to crash my enemy's party. I didn't need an invite. You got my stuff. I didn't need you to tell me it was okay to win. You got my stuff. Somebody said, let's crash the party. Verse 17, then David, I'm about to throw the mic. Then David attacked. You ready for this? The word attack in Hebrew means beat down. Smashed. Slapped, ruined them from twilight until the evening of the next day. So that not even, watch this, a man of them escaped, except for on a young man who rode on camels and fled. Look at me. David, watch this. David finds the camp, and he don't show up to play. Some of y'all are too nice to the devil. You're too nice to what is cruel and vicious to you. David, let's do a dramatization. Come on. Come here, son. Where you at? Come here, son. <laughs> now, y'all good at this. Slap him. But, you know. but no, you got to do like acting class. You got to hit your hand. Like, so I teach you. All right, go. And then when his enemy started getting back up, David said, no, no. Then when he said, you ain't going to make it, you ain't going to make it, you ain't going to make it. And his enemy got up. David's like, no, maybe you don't know who you're playing with. Maybe you don't know who you're messing with. David said, but I'm not going back without my stuff. I'm in my winning season and I'm going to whip that head. Whip. Somebody say, I'm ready. You ready? Let's go. Here it is, here it is, here it is, here it is. Verse 18. So David recover. David recovered. You ain't doing it with me. David recovered. All your health back. All your credit back. All your self-esteem back. All your family back. All your passion for ministry back. 
all your passion for leadership, Pat. David recovered. David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued, watch me, his two wives. Now, I don't have time to get into that. Just stick with me, though. Some of you are like, see, there it go. It's in the Bible. <laughs> I don't have time to deal with that. Say two wives. two wives. Why would the Bible take the time to mention, y'all, I'm done. Why would the Bible take the time to mention his two wives two and a half times in the text? What's so important about them? What's so important about him recovering them? On the surface level, you might look at that if you were doing this from a topical or an expository way and say, and he got his family back. That's good. But when we exegete the text, what are we doing tonight? Exegesis. Say it with me. You can be real deep and spiritual. When people say, how was church on Friday? It was an exegesis about Jesus and the little lamb that Mary had. And <laughs> Look, the first wife's name is Ananoam. Watch this. Her name means when God sows. Look at me. I need you to know God started the fight. God started the warfare. God made them act crazy with you. You, you're not hearing me. Ahinoam means when God starts something. When God sows something. Somebody say, it was for my good. Say, God started this. But here's the second wife. She's Abigail. I mentioned it to her. She's the, she's the widow of Nabal. She's intelligent. She's beautiful. She's regarded in the Hebrew culture as a prophetess. She's a seer. Abigail means, watch this, my father's joy. Nabal means failure. Look at me. God started this fight and this warfare about to throw the mic. Because this was more than just this battle. Listen, this was to heal that 16-year-old boy that was rejected from his, by his father that was about to step into his assignment. You missed him. She is his father's joy. Watch this. The widow or the death of failure. Somebody say, this warfare was to heal me. You never would have known you needed to be healed without this warfare. You never would have known, watch this, that you were still bitter without this warfare. You never would have known what was in you that, watch this, was drawn to projects. Y'all ain't saying nothing. You needed this. Somebody give you God glory that you needed this warfare. Verse 19 and 20. Then we're going to go for broke. Actually, I don't like that. We're going to go for rich. In church, we say stuff, just go for broke. I don't That ain't a good confession. Verse 19. And nothing. Come on, Shalom, was missing. Nothing was lacking. Nothing was broken. Look at me. The warfare made them whole. Somebody say, I'm finally becoming whole. God needed you to see the warfare so you could see the cracks. 
so you can see the holes, so you can see the places that needed to be set free, so you can see the places, watch this, where you needed to change, where you can see the places you were sloppy, where you can see the places you can improve, where you can see the places that you can move forward. Look at this. Either small or great, son, your daughter, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David brought back. The chapter starts in losing season. And in the same chapter, look at me, in the same year. Somebody say the same year. Say it again, say the same year. In the same year, y'all, David. David steps in the winning season. Here's verse 20. Then David, so it'd be cool if I got all my stuff back. Uh, uh, Tony, give me all that stuff on the table. Put it in his bag. Touch your neighbor, see about to shout. I've already laid hands, so see how God reversed it? Come on. This is my stuff. That's my table, my pens, my tissue. Got lotion in it. That's my copy of that book. That's my, ch actually, I need it. Let me have it. Amen. Just anybody said that's my bag. Say in winning season, I get my bag. Look at me. Can you can I go deep on you? This is verse nine. Go to the previous verse, please. That's verse 19. Okay. Okay. All right. I, I need you to be on the I need you to be on the quick row. Um, would you touch somebody on your left and right? Say that's verse 19. All right. You're still on the road that's a little delayed. Maybe y'all got Sprint and Android, so let me help you. Say that's verse 19. Say I'm in year 19. Okay. Look at verse 20. David got his bag back in 19. But David was like, you didn't think. I'll let you go through all of that just to give you your stuff back. Just to give you your self-esteem back. You think you shed all them tears. Fought through all that depression. Fought through all of that discouragement got up and served and preached and prophesied when you didn't even feel like it, got up and did what you were supposed to do when the world was against you, you don't think I'm going to let you just get your stuff, do you? Watch verse 20. David also, if you don't get this, I don't know what to tell you. To every leader, you need to be thankful on who was dismissed. Every person, you be thankful. Who was dismissed? Why? Say verse 20. David captured all they flocks, they herds, and the people drove the livestock before him. And they said, This is David's spoil. Which means not only did I get my bag, I don't know whose bag that is, up under that chair. Let me have that. I'm going to borrow it. 
Give me that backpack. God, dog, get what you got. <laughs> Hold on, let me hold it like a southern lady does. God says, David, not only did you get yours, because you won, you're going to get theirs. And since it was multiple people that attacked you, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to load you down. May I? May I? Somebody going to get it in a minute. God says, I'm so glad you didn't take your life. I'm so glad you didn't throw in the towel. Y'all still ain't got the message yet. Would you look at your neighbor and say, I'm so glad I didn't give up. Say, I'm so glad I didn't quit. Say, I'm getting it all back. And some more. The Bible says, he daily loads me with benefits. The burdens you about to be carrying ain't going to be because of nothing negative. It's going to be because you're getting ready to have some options. I need you to touch your neighbor and say, not only am I getting mine back, say, I'm getting a whole lot more. If you believe that word is for you, I need you to release a crazy praise. Go. Got my bags. Got my bags. Got my bags. Got my bags. Go. 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 Give all these ladies and gentlemen, y'all come get your purse and your backpacks. Come get them. I need everybody standing. Eh. Look at me. Say he got spoils. In other words, God says, because you handle that, I'm about to spoil you. Somebody sent me a prophecy this week. That's interesting, Apostle. They said, they said, somebody's about to do something for you, and you're going to say, why me? I said, well, what they're going to do for me must be real big for me to say that. And I didn't get it until just right now. Where God says, because you endured your warfare, I'm about to spoil you. Yeah. Hear me. Hear me. What's it mean? God says, the stuff you didn't ask me for. Look at me. David never asked for the spoils. All you were asking for, leader, was just four people to help you. God says, I'm going to send you way more than what you asked for. 
All you asked for was an extra $1,000 for the month. God says, I'm going to send you five. I'm going to send you ten. All you wanted was for your family saved. God says, I'm going to save them and they're going to be serving in the same place they used to criticize you for coming to. Well, I pray that today's life-giving message has spoken life into your life. I'm Bishop Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, and at this time, I want to extend an opportunity to you to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, 2,000 years ago, God stepped in a body. That body was called Jesus. That body got on a cross and died for our sins. Now, sins are things that we do that don't please God, and they ultimately don't please God because they ultimately are very harmful and dangerous to us. Not only did he die for our sins, he died so we could have life and life more abundantly. Here's what that means, that not only do we experience God's best, but that we can speak life into other people and use our lives to change the lives of other people. And today, if you need to become a Christian for the first time, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved or born again or become a Christian. All those phrases mean the same thing. And if today you were far from God, this is your opportunity to reconnect to God. I love him because uh, he's not the God of a second chance. The truth is, is we've all used our second chance already. He's the God of another chance. He offers us constant new beginnings and fresh starts to get things right for him. He gave his life for us so that we could give our lives for him. So today, if you need to become a Christian or recommit yourself to Jesus right there where you're at, I don't care where you're listening to this message, I want you to say this with me. Say, Father... In the name of Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Because of this belief and because of this confession, if this is my first time praying this, I am now a Christian. If I was far from you, I am reconnected to you. Great days are here for me. Today is the beginning of the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you are now a Christian. You're born again. You're saved from yourself. And if you were far from God, you're reconnected to God. And here's what I want you to do. Take out your mobile phone and text the word DECISION to the phone number 59769. And when you do, I'm going to send you a message right away that's going to show you how to make Christianity your lifestyle and not just a hobby. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. You are connected to me and connected to Harvest Church for a reason. It's because this is the place God wants to speak life into your life. This is the place God wants you to grow and become a strong Christian and, and serve and change the lives of other people. So stay connected, whether it's at a physical campus or a digital campus, stay connected to Harvest Church. Keep receiving this word and let it speak life into your life. Hope you have a phenomenal day. Hey, congratulations. We make USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R 10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. 
One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.